Hi, it's Michael Senoff with Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. The title of this interview is called What You Should Know About Anecdotal Medicine That Could Save Your Life. Julia Schuchbeck discovered alternative medicine when her husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Like many cancer patients, after one of his surgeries, he was left with a wound that wouldn't heal. Doctors tried everything, but nothing helped. So Julia took matters into her own hands and found a medicine that not only healed him, it healed him immediately. She thought the doctors would be thrilled and curious about this magical medicine that had finally healed her husband's wound. They weren't. In fact, they were mad. And that began a journey for Julia to find more proven methods of treatments that doctors still consider anecdotal. And in this audio, you'll hear all about them. You'll also hear why doctors don't stray away from industry standards. Why you should think twice about their advice and options you have instead. A method that regenerates the liver, helping people with hepatitis and cirrhosis. You'll learn what advice Julia has for those of us struggling with disorders. You'll hear about a method that helps epileptic seizures that was even made into a movie with Meryl Streep. You'll learn a method for treating autoimmune diseases like lupus, arthritis, and chronic fatigue. You'll learn what all these treatments have in common and why you probably won't hear about them from your doctor. No pharmaceutical companies make money off the treatments spotlighted on Julia's website, and that's probably why you may not have heard of them before. But the best part about these alternative methods are they're usually cheaper and less harmful than traditional prescribed medications. And in this audio, you'll hear all about it. Now let's get going. Hi, this is Chris Costello, and I've teamed up with Michael Senoff to bring you the world's best wellness-related interviews. So if you know anyone struggling with their weight, with cancer, diabetes, ADHD, autism, heart disease, or other health challenges, please send them to Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. Today we are talking with Julia Shopik. Julia Shopik is an author and patient advocate, also a PR consultant. In October of 1990, when her husband, Tim Fisher, was diagnosed with a brain tumor, her life changed dramatically. Julia then became Tim's medical health advocate. And for the next 15 years until his passing in 2005, Julia's first commitment was to helping her husband survive the medical system. With her help, he lived 12 years beyond his doctor's predictions. Julia credits Tim's increased survival and quality of life, at least in part, to the fact that she found several treatments for him that his doctors didn't know about, treatments most doctors call anecdotal. She decided after that that one of her missions in life would be to tell other patients about treatments like these, which she calls patient evidence-based medicine. A year after Tim's passing, Julia created her award-winning website, Honest Medicine. You can find that at honestmedicine.com. It is to help educate people with the healthcare system and its many dysfunctions, but also to tell them about treatments like the patient evidence-based treatments she found for Tim. Julia now has a book and it talks about these four incredible patient evidence-based treatments and we're going to be discussing that with her today. Thank you, Julia, for being here today. I am so glad to be with you, Chris. I admire your interview so much. Well, thank you. And through your research and your hard work and your life experience, you have discovered some amazing treatments to help people with all sorts of different chronic illnesses and cancers. This all came about from your experience, though, going through cancer with your husband, Tim. My husband was diagnosed, as you said, in 1990 with a huge astrocytoma. By the way, that's a very serious cancerous tumor, brain 
for the first five years, actually, we did exactly what the doctor said and did not do anything terribly holistic or terribly different. And then I began to see that he was having terrific side effects from a lot of the medications. And he, of course, had had things going wrong, like his skin breaking down and all of that. So I decided I better start doing some research. And I did. And that kind of got us through until 2001. I'm going very quickly, Chris, because he did have a radiation-caused stroke in the middle of there, several seizures, several side effects of the treatment. So for his brain tumor, he had chemotherapy and he had multiple surgeries? Well, that's very interesting. No, yes, he had chemotherapy, he had radiation, and this is something very interesting about brain tumor patients. A lot of times, the patients will have things like skin not healing. Hydrocephalus is a big thing, water on the brain. He had all of those. When I was writing my book, I was talking about that he had just about every complication you could have. So this was a problem in that by the time we got to the point, which I'm going to tell you about in a minute, where I found this life-saving treatment for him, he had already had multiple surgeries not connected with brain tumor. The first one was a brain tumor surgery. The others were to repair things that had gone wrong. As I had said many times, you know, he had had trouble with the skin not healing in the very beginning. And this often happens, by the way, radiation is a killer to the skin. It's a burn. And often people who have had radiation have terrible skin healing problems. So he had had the surgery in 1990. He had had the radiation. And that, of course, made his skin fragile. He had had shunts put in. I'm going to give a link for your listeners to the whole story of all the different things that went wrong. But in any case, he did not have a recurrence of the actual tumor until 2001. And the doctor assured me that it would be an easy surgery. So Tim went in and then, guess what, didn't heal. Would not heal for eight months. After eight months, I mean, you have to picture this. What the doctors were doing was the standard of care. The standard of care in a situation like this with a non-healing wound, head wound, or any kind of wound, is to keep operating. I know this sounds silly. It really does. But to keep opening it up and trying to find two pieces of skin that will hold together. And his skin, as you can imagine, with a head got so fragile that they even went and took pieces of skin from other parts of his body. He had walked into the surgery in 2001, absolutely terrific. He had walked in, he was joking, he was with it. By the time he had had eight more surgeries to try to close the wound, this was in 2001 and two. he was severely disabled. Eight surgeries in just a few months. Meanwhile, I was doing all of this research. I put together 200 pages and put them on a disc on a CD, and it was of all this stuff about wound healing because I said to myself, this is a wound. Neurosurgeons are closing it up as a neurosurgeon would. The only way they know to do is to keep operating. So I had found all this stuff. They promised me they would read it. They didn't read it, I later found out. They just thought they were humoring this little wifey here. And... Then, finally, it was one of these coincidences. Bernie Siegel, who was actually a friend of mine, he is a wonderful supporter, you know, the author, Medicine and Miracle. We were talking on the phone. He said, you know, Julia, there are no coincidences, just God incidences. And this was 
was a God incident in the name of Dr. Carlos Reynas. He is an Oak Park, Illinois doctor, and I was working with him for a client, actually, and he said, how's your husband doing? And I just broke down. He said, have you ever heard of Silver Lawn? I said, what? Silver who? And he told me about this FDA-approved. It's not a cream. It's not a drug. It's really a different kind of healing system, which is pieces of cloth that have silver ions in them, and you put it on the person's whatever part of the body. In Dr. Reynas' case, he had used it for diabetic wounds. I was later to research a good deal about it. It's also used very successfully for burn cases. You put it way over the wound itself, and it does some kind of magic, which is explained in the article that I will give a link for. And the doctor at the hospital agreed to let us put it on. I don't know whether you know how unusual that is, to bring something into the hospital that isn't normally there. But this doctor, he had run out of tricks, so he allowed us to put it on Tinpad. The day that it was put on Tinpad was the last day he leaked. He started healing right away. I was over the moon. Yes, my husband was severely brain injured. Yes. He was incontinent. Yes, he was almost paralyzed, but he mm. was still my husband. And what amazed me, Chris, is that none of the doctors were at all curious about what this was that had done it. Well, it gets even worse. They actually got mad at me, a few of them. One of the residents who had adored me before then, I guess because I was you know, a passive wifey, he came up to me. He sought me out and said, you know, Ms. Bishop, he said, I don't think it was the silver lawn that worked. What do you think it was? And he said, I think it was the vancomycin. That's the IV antibiotic that Tim had been on for six weeks. So I said, but Tim's been on that for six weeks. He said, I know. Vanco, they have a little nickname for their beloved drug. Vanco's like that. It kicks in. I was speechless, but I was also speechless, not because my feelings were hurt, and I do have to admit they were, but because if the doctors aren't curious about things that work that they're not used to, then other people will die. I said to myself, well, none of these doctors are interested. I owe it to the world to get the word out. And I'm a writer, as you pointed out, and I've done public relations for 20 years. So I picked up the phone and I called the National Brain Tumor Foundation. And the story is a little bit more complicated, which you'll find out in my book. They said, yes, they would love to have a story about this. You know, this is a common problem, this non-healing book. I decided that since the doctors were not that interested in the hospital we were at, that Tim was at, about this treatment, I really was crestfallen about that because I knew that other patients would be coming through those doors in the coming months and years, and they just wouldn't take advantage of this wonderful treatment to help their skin heal if it wasn't healing. So I called the National Brain Tumor Foundation, and they were very interested in having this as an article, how I found this wonderful thing that heals in skin. So it turned out that it was the cover story of their wonderful newsletter called Search, so that when the story went out, when people would get this magazine, this newsletter, they would see this story first. So you can well imagine, I told you that a lot of people have this problem. I got so many calls, you would not have 
believed it. I purposely, by the way, did have my phone number there because I had a feeling that this would happen. I wanted to help people. And my phone was ringing off the hook. I could barely do my work. For more interviews on health, mind, body, and spirit, go to michaelsenoffshardtofindseminars.com. And so were people calling that were going through cancer surgeries or different kinds of surgeries? Well, remember, this was the National Brain Tumor Foundation publication. All of them had relatives who were going through brain surgery and were not healing. The calls were from the United States. The emails came from all over the world. And I convinced the inventor of this product, his name was Bart Flick, A.B. Flick, and I convinced him to send samples of Silver Lawn to all these places where the people were begging for it. And he agreed, but he did warn me, Chris, that the doctors might not be open to it. I said, oh, Bart, I'm sure they will. He said, don't be so sure. And guess what? He was right. Not one of the doctors would allow the patient to have it put on the relative's head. One girl called me sobbing, one young woman. She said, my brother's doctor said he was kidding, but when I told him about Silverlawn, and oh, I forgot to tell you, Chris, I provided a lot of materials for these people to read, to give to their doctors, and apparently this doctor said to her, will this put me out of business? And then he said, oh, I'm only kidding, but she was weeping. The upshot was that nobody got the treatment, and I was just heartbroken. One of them ended up making it by the skin of his teeth, the one I told you about, and he ended up being on life support because he did have another surgery instead of trying the silver line, but apparently he made it in the end. But you know something? To me, having somebody go through a surgery, what did they have to lose by just trying it? I think the resistance is, as one of the people I interviewed for my book, Berkson, who has a treatment that is also life-saving, patient evidence-based medicine, etc. He claims that doctors are trained, and they are trained to just take what they know from med school and from their medical magazines and from their colleagues and never from a lay person. And this is quite troubling, don't you think? So the main thing was that after all this, I knew that nobody would believe my story. I mean, if you didn't know I was reputable and if I hadn't found all these other similar treatments and I hadn't found that all of these treatments doctors don't want to learn about, I mean, I knew that nobody would believe my story if it were written out. I think this one was actually quite convincing because it had been eight months. All these people had seen it. Because, because. Right, but they're not versed in how to explain it, except for, like you say, the one doctor. Bart Flick. Well, he explained it, and it's in the article that I'll have a link for on Honest Medicine so that your listeners can read the article. He explained it in terms of silver ions and all of that, and I don't Mm -hmm. even want to get into that because, as you know, I'm not a medical person. Mm -hmm. But I decided that I was on to something here, and what I was on to was the fact that I knew, you know how you know in your gut, that there were several treatments out there that doctors were calling anecdotal. And by the way, I want to say up front that certain things I do believe are anecdotal. If I have an itchy nose and I put an onion on that itchy nose and my itchy nose stops itching, that is anecdotal. That's one person 
and it just, you know, it could have been something else, but something like Silverlawn, I knew that there were other examples. And don't forget, Tim's experience really was, for head wounds, only one. It was, in a sense, anecdotal, if you want to say a story of one person. So I said, well, I'm on to something because I know that these doctors just aren't being curious enough. So I set out to find other treatments that I could write about for honest medicine that were also life-saving, that doctors were almost hostile to, the conventional doctors, excuse me, were almost hostile to. And believe it or not, the treatments that I ended up profiling, both in this article that I will give a link to on my site for your listeners and in my book, all of these treatments really have amazing track records, amazing. They've all been around for a huge number of years. The shortest number of years is 25, and that's for two of the treatments, you know, that it's been used in the particular way. One of the treatments, the ketogenic diet, has been used at Johns Hopkins since the 1920s, and still doctors would rather use drugs. As you researched these different treatments, did you find that they all had a lot of commonalities? Yes, and it was to me amazing because the commonalities were that, as I said, they had been around for a long time and they had a huge number of patients that have been either healed, cured, or made better, you know, whatever you want to say, by these treatments. They all treated life-threatening either chronic diseases or very terminal diseases. In the case of one of them, which is intravenous alpha-lipoic acid, Burt Berkson's treatment, that actually turns around terminal liver disease like hepatitis, cirrhosis, and it's incredible. So this was another thing that they had in common characteristic, that they worked on very serious conditions and diseases. Another one was that they all had champions. In many cases, doctors. MDs, and in the case of the ketogenic diet, even though there are doctors who champion the ketogenic diet, I decided to profile Jim Abrams, who's the father of a patient who was cured by the diet and has devoted his life to getting the word out. But that's another thing, they all have champions. They also have, and this is the amazing thing, patient champions. People who just say, okay, I'm out there and I'm spreading the word. In the case of low-dose naltrexone, which is one of the three treatments, there are thousands of patients worldwide. There is a website that I urge people to go to called ldnaware.org, which has like all the countries that are using LDN. It's incredible. And the other thing is that they are not pharmaceutically based. No big pharma company is making money off of them because they've lost their patents or their dietary or they're not drugs. And nobody, even the doctors who are championing these wonderful treatments, they're not making big money. With someone like Bert Bergson, he is not even marketing at all because he's the only one doing the treatment because he just doesn't trust other doctors have done it wrong. Unless they go through a training with him, he will not give his secret of an intravenous thing. No way. Bert Berkson, actually, I heard him speak and tell this story in 1999 at a meeting, and this story blew my mind. He was a resident in a big teaching hospital 
in the 80s. And these two patients named Eunice and John Goostree, G-O-O-S-T-R-E-E, they came into the emergency room with end-stage liver disease from mushroom poisoning. And Dr. Berkson was told that there were no livers for them for a transplant and that he was to just watch them die. Remember, he was a resident. He was supposed to take orders. He was supposed to take notes and give them in grand rounds the next day. So Bert says, there's no way he could do that. He said, I had to try to save them. So luckily, he knew somebody at the NIA, National Institutes of Health. So he called Dr. Fred Barter, and he said, is there anything that might regenerate livers? He said, you know, there's no harm in trying, he said, because these people are almost dead. Fred Barter said, yes, as a matter of fact, there is. We're using this substance called intravenous alpha-lipoic acid for diabetic neuropathy, which is, you know, the deadening of the feet. He said, however, we're finding that it's seems to regenerate organs, including livers. And he said, I can get some to you. Bert said, yeah, I'll be there. So Dr. Berkson went to the airport a day later, got the alpha-lipoic acid, infused it into his patients, and guess what happened? They got better. Now, wouldn't you have thought, again, are you thinking about my Silverlon story? Wouldn't you have thought that the doctors would have said, what did you do, young man? No. They told him that, A, he must never do that again. He was chastised roundly because he had not followed orders. They said, besides, we don't have this in the formulary. You can't give a drug that's not in our formulary. But I thought I was supposed to save life. No. So they said, never, ever do that again. Well, guess what? Next weekend, more people came in. Liver poisoning, the way Dr. Berkson puts it, he goes, mushrooms were in bloom. So he did it again. And guess what happened? The people got cured again. But, you know, Dr. Berkson says, and this to me is so amazing, he says, you know, I was very lucky that the NIH was interested in my work. If they hadn't been, I would have been fired, and that would have been the end. But since the NIH was involved, and Dr. Fred Barter was over the moon with joy, and Fred Barter came to this institution and had Dr. Berkson as the golden boy, then they could not get rid of him, or as the way Dr. Bergson puts it, they had to put up with me. I think he does do some training of people. I believe he's the main person, and his waiting list is now, I hear, getting up near a year, because wow. people are coming from all over the world. As he puts it, I'm quietly saving lives in mm. Las Cruces, New Mexico, mm. and to give him real credit, he does not charge that much to do it. For more interviews like this, go to Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. And this is curing people from what kinds of diseases? The mainstay, what he had been doing for years, of course, was liver disease, end-stage liver disease, hepatitis, cirrhosis. But then, one day, he had a patient who came in to him and said to him, that he had a few conditions and he needed help. Well, Dr. Berkson was able to help him with one or two of them, but with the cancer, he was not. You know, this person had cancer, too. So this person said, you know, there is this person named Dr. Bernard Bahari in New York, and he's just got this little office, but he claims that his treatment can cure cancer in addition to autoimmune diseases. And Dr. Berkson said, well, why don't you go to see him? says, what do you have to lose? Go see Dr. Bahari. So a few years later, this 
guy comes back, the way Dr. Burson puts it, a normal-looking fellow. John, how are you? And John says, oh, I'm fine, but I have a, as he mentioned, some little funny condition. He says, no, 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 I mean, and I think he had both an autoimmune disease, don't laugh, and cancer, the poor guy. He said, how about your lupus or whatever? He says, oh, that's gone. Dr. Bahari cured that. He says, well, how about your cancer? Gone. So Bert Berkson, remember I told you that Bert Berkson is curious, unlike conventional doctors? He set out to learn about low-dose naltrexone. You know, after this guy that is called John, that I'm not sure that's his real name, came back and said he had been cured by Dr. Bahari, Dr. Berkson started doing research and met Dr. Bahari, and now he does amazing stuff. What he's doing now, in addition to treating the liver disease with alpha-lipoic acid intravenously is he's found that the combination of alpha-lipoic acid and low-dose naltrexone has cured several people of cancer and several of them with pancreatic cancer. Do you know how difficult that one is to cure? One of the people interviewed for my book is Paul Maris, the first person he cured of pancreatic cancer. So he's now published three papers about his treatment of cancers with alpha-lipoic acid and low-dose naltrexone, and I'll be having those up on my site as well. I can have links to those also. Jim Abrams, his son Charlie, had intractable seizures. That means they just wouldn't stop. And Jim, like me, when Tim was first sick, Jim was trusting the doctors, and this poor little baby was getting more and more drugged up. He was on, Jim says, about nine different drugs, a combination, I think, of two or three or four at a time. He even had a surgery that ended up nothing worked. And Jim started, just like me, you know, you say, hey, I better do some research. He started researching, and he heard about this diet called the ketogenic diet, which is very high-fat diet that had been done at Johns Hopkins since the 1920s, but kind of fell out of favor when the pharmaceutical drugs started coming out, but it was still being done, I believe, only six or seven cases a year at Hopkins. But because of all the drugs, the drugs were the treatments of choice now. So Jim goes to Charlie's doctor with all of the information, and he says, I think I really would like to try this diet. Don't do that, the doctor says. It won't work. So as a matter of fact, the same day, Jim had said, I'm either thinking of going there or to a mall in Texas where there is an herbalist. And... The doctor said, flip a coin, neither of them will work. And Jim did. He said, I know it sounds stupid. He said, but I flipped a coin, and we went to Texas, and that didn't work. It broke Jim's heart. Well, finally, after the herbalist didn't work, they went to Johns Hopkins, and the diet worked. And Jim told me, sometimes these drugs will even seem to work, you know, for a few days. So you don't get excited right away. It wasn't like Tim's suture line healing because that had never happened before the silver line. But he said, after I was sure that it was the real deal, I got angry. First mm-hmm. relieved, then angry. And how long did it take for the ketogenic diet to actually kick in? Was it like a, a week or two, something you know, like that? that I'm not positive about. I think it was about a week before they were positive. It was a short period of time. And by the way, with the ketogenic diet, you know how with anti-epilepsy drugs, the person has to stay on them forever? With the ketogenic diet, they just have to stay on them for, I believe, it's a year. It's high fat, practically no carbs, and less protein. I believe the 
ratio is 411, but that's in the book also. I forget the exact ratio. People can go to honestmedicine.com to find out about your book, and then also Jim Abrams' site. Where can they go if they want to find out specifically about the epileptic diet? It's a wonderful site. It is charliefoundation.org, C-H-A-R-L-I-E. The rest of the story is that Jim said, as long as I have this background in the entertainment industry, the first thing he did, Chris, was he put together a video of instructional kinds of things with Meryl Streep. And if you go to charliefoundation.org, you can even see that video now, you know, telling people about the diet. One of the tech people on that short film that he did, New People at Dateline, NBC. And before Jim knew it, Charlie's story was on Dateline, NBC. And the doctor, by the way, was asked, why did you tell these people not to go? And he said, because we hadn't tried all the drugs yet. But the upshot was that after that show, Dateline, NBC, Jim got piles and piles and piles and piles and piles of letters. And one of them was from a woman who had had a very similar experience. And from that experience, Jim made the movie First Do No Harm, again, with Meryl Streep, playing the mother. And that was a made-for-TV movie. By the way, people can buy that movie still. Go on Amazon.com and look for First Do No Harm. I did. I bought that film. It's wonderful. So Jim has been spending the rest of his life with the Charlie Foundation. He hired a registered dietitian named Beth Zupek-Kanya, who's one of the people interviewed in my book. She goes around the world training people to do this diet at various hospitals, India, Saudi Arabia. This is incredible. So he's a real hero, too. Also, we should say that Jim Abrams' son, Charlie, is now a healthy and recovered teenager. Yep, he sure is. Charlie is, I believe, 18 years old, and he's doing fine. Again, I'm going to be putting the link to the article that I did about these four treatments so you can get the whole background on wonderful Dr. Bahari. But Dr. Bernard Bahari had been working with high-dose naltrexone, which is an FDA-approved drug at 50 milligrams. By the way, FDA-approved in 1984 for drug addiction and a few years later for alcohol addiction at high doses. So we know it's safe because it's been approved at these high doses. And somehow, Dr. Bahari found that very, very low doses, one-tenth the dose, helped autoimmune diseases by modulating the immune system. And he started giving it to people with lupus, first MS, I believe MS was first, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis. And as you said, Several people with chronic fatigue have tried it. There are people all around the world who are using low-dose naltrexone now. Julia, are there some other sites that people can go to if they want to find out more about low-dose naltrexone? Oh, there are lots of them. Each one of these treatments has something unusual, you know, different from the others. I gave these things that make them similar. The thing that makes this different, this treatment different, is the numbers of vocal champions and the fact that they put together all sorts of conferences about LDN and the doctors themselves pay for these little trials. They can't afford the big ones like the big pharmaceutical companies can, but they have websites. LDNers.org is one of them. As a matter of fact, I did a 116-page free ebook for International LDN Awareness Week in October, which I'll give a link to also. 
your listeners. And that will tell you all the sites because I don't want to offend anybody right. by leaving any out. But right. there's one that is www.lowdosenaltrexone.org. That's the site of Dr. Bahari's childhood friend, Dr. David Gluck. There's one in England called ldnresearchtrust.org. There are also several books. Mary Boyle Bradley wrote Up the Creek with a Paddle about her husband with LDN and multiple sclerosis. There are just several books about it. So, Julia, we're just really looking forward to seeing your book, and people can go to honestmedicine.com to find out more about it. But what do you say to people right now that are struggling with any of these autoimmune disorders, cancers? What's your best advice? Where do they start? To me, their best advice is to be open to other treatments because one thing I forgot to say when I gave all of the things these treatments had in common is that the normal standard of care treatments don't work that well. So I would tell them to try these less toxic treatments first. I really would because there's going to be one gentleman who wrote a chapter in the book, Malcolm West. It wasn't until he lost his insurance that he was to get better because he needed to look for a cheaper treatment. I would say, please, trust your gut. Trust your own research. If you don't know how to research, go into the forum. Hire somebody to do your research, but don't just listen to your doctor. Great, Julia. And if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? I also have a Facebook page, and I'd be glad to give my email. It's J-U-L-I-A-S as in Sam, 1573 at AOL.com. And they can also go to honestmedicine.com. Thank you so much, Julia, for spending the time with us, and we are just really looking forward to your new book. Thank you so much, Chris. I enjoyed talking with you. That's the end of our interview, and I hope you've enjoyed it. For more great health-related interviews, go to Michael Senoff's hardtofindseminars.com. That's the end of our interview with Julia Shopik. I hope her experience with her husband and all her research has helped you out in some ways. And please, if you're interested in additional health-related interviews, go to hardtofindseminars.com.